Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to How to Pakistan with me, Fasi Zaka, and Musharraf Zaidi. And I've got Musharraf Zaidi with me. How are things? Alhamdulillah, Fasi. Uh, you know, things are fine for me, but uh, it's been a rough few days for, I guess, for all of us. I agree. And that brings us to what we'll be speaking about today, which is about the unfortunate crash, the loss of Junaid Jamshed, and... Um, you know, scores of other people as well, and just touching upon his legacy and what he meant to all of us. So, Musharraf, when did you first hear your vital signs number? Yeah, uh, so, you know, I think it was Dildil Pakistan, and it was probably, uh, so we moved to Pakistan in 1990, and I'm pretty sure that this was a thing, the song was a thing before we moved here, so probably like maybe 88, 89. Uh, but but I knew I knew about Vital Signs and I knew the song uh, before before we got here. You know, what? one of the things about Vital Signs and Dildit Pakistan is it's one of those things that you know you sort of remember where you were when you first either heard it. It's sort of like September 11. You remember, even if you're not American, you remember where you were when you read about it, when you saw it on TV, or what the reaction was immediately. And I, I, I imagine Dildil Pakistan is a bit like that, because I remember quite clearly the first time I heard it. I was in Peshawar, I was uh, with my grandmother and uncle in the, you know, uh, in my uncle's room where the TV was. And, you know, I just saw it and I was just like, totally taken aback, just visually also because before that I hadn't seen that sort of youth and, you know, heard that kind of music. And um, it was just phenomenal. I think it's hard to understate what a effect it had to people who were exposed to it for the first time. You know, my, my relationship with Dildal Pakistan is, is, is a bit different, Fasi. I As I said, I don't, I don't exactly remember when. Um, for me, the the kind of journey or the relationship with the band or, you know, with that sound uh, began a little bit later. Um, yeah. And then so what kept, song was it that really did it for you that sort of put vital signs in your sort of, uh, you know, spectrum of greats? Well, so I think vital signs was very much for me. And this is just, you know, it's personal, obviously, for everyone it's different. But if I'm totally truthful... Vital Signs and Junaid were were not sort of, you know, my favorite. Growing up, uh, I, I was I was really into Salman Ahmed's sort of sound um, even before Junoon. And then I think for me, like Talash just sort of, it just spoke to, it spoke to like the cells inside me, you know? It just, uh, every, every song on that album... Uh, it, it, that I agree with. It's know. interesting how it's interesting how for both these bands, both Vital Signs and Janoon, it was their second album that really cemented them, where the work was far more immortal. Because for me, I mean, I also loved Janoon more eventually than Vital Signs. I tell you, but Maliki what I was going to say, Fasi, was that it was the like the third album, and then and then Junaid's. I think it was his first solo album. It just completely like just like at the bottom for me. I think at the bottom was the third, the third studio album that Vital Signs yeah. did. Right? I mean, at the bottom is just. I mean, just that song. 
I mean, just like, like honestly, if you can't hear Coke Studio and Etabar, you're not listening. You know, you know what I mean? Like, it's just genius composition. By this time, Junaid has got. There's none of the kind of unnecessary variation. He he knows what his specific voice is, and he kind of he he sticks it there. Like he sticks every and every landing is like a three point landing. You know. I mean, it's just the most perfectly produced thing that we have, I think. It, it, to this day, I don't think anything like Etabad has been... Like, in terms of production, it was like... You remember when George Michael came out with, with the Freedom album? Yeah. And, 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 you know, we used to say, wow, like, that's like slickness redefined. Like, that was freedom, I think. Etabad was freedom for me in, in terms of how, how tight everything was. I, I, don't know, I don't know how you felt about it. No, so for me, Etabad isn't that strong. I think production-wise, it's my favorite of all the four albums. I think in some ways, I credit that much more to Rohail and sort of that... Uh, oh, it's absolutely Rohail. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And also Shahi, Vision. right? But like And Shahi, yes, both of them. Yeah. And but, but for me, I think in terms of just the song set, the second album is my absolute favorite because there are just so many songs that I think come together so well. And I remember before I got the album, I was um, at school and I heard it being played, one song in particular, which I don't think has stood the test of time for most, but I absolutely love. It's Mera Dil Nahi Available. I just think it's got one of the oh, best a, piano bass synth a, riffs there oh, is. Oh, what a song. It's <laughs> it's just phenomenal. I mean, I don't think it's played enough anymore. I mean, you still hear a lot of vital signs occasionally on the radio, but this song just never seems to make the cut. But And then a friend of mine who's also a musician, and I remember going to his house and I asked him, and, and that was one of the days where I realized how brilliant he was also, Sarmad Ghafoor, and oh, I Sarmad, asked him to play Sarmad is a Sarmad is a, like an unknown legend. He's amazing. So so the thing with Sarmad was I asked him, can you play this riff on the guitar? And he did this. I mean, you know, he's one of those guys who's naturally gifted and he did it immediately by ear. And it was and it sounded even much better than, you know, uh, the original. And I think musically, though, I think one of the greatest and possibly most amazing things is when you go back through the four albums, it's surprising how one of the pioneers so that Pakistan, when it did its first, it also did it right. Like they had this enduring talent. Usually you get people who sort of maybe spearhead a genre, but don't really keep up or, you know, have that sort of enduring legacy. But Vital Signs and then Junaid on his own as well. And Shahi and all the others. Uh, I mean, just just look at that band and look at the fact that, you know, that's where Janoon sort of started spurring as an idea and again it was interesting that you know this band had so such a critical mass of talent that you know uh that a band wasn't enough that you know salman had to venture out and do his own thing and he and did it absolutely thing, what a thing he did though right i mean that's it's, you're so you're so right i mean i have goosebumps just thinking about you know what 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 you're saying and that we got to grow up with that i i honestly you know, we complain a lot, quite rightly, about about so many things. But Fussy, I just 
just locating myself and and my you know sort of journey from from being a child to being an adult with that being at least part of the soundtrack obviously western music was 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 a was a big part of my sort of you know of of growing up as well but but this was the organic stuff right almost like the stuff that you know you were connected to like you know it was the ground beneath your feet and it was the air that you were breathing and it was if you think about i'm uh, just thinking about the tone of Rizwan's guitar and how unbelievably complimentary it was to Junaid's voice it's just that kind of David Gilmore-esque sort of clean, crisp clarity of his tone. Uh, am I making any sense? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think Rizwan also deserves a lot of attention for sort of his role and his musicianship. Because what I liked about Rizwan is that with guitar players, you have a tendency for them to try and dominate the sound and whatever. And his was exactly where it needed to be in a song, as opposed to, say, this standalone piece, which is like really great. And uh, I mean, even if you go on and if you remember Dopal Kajivan, which was the yeah. rock song. Yeah, 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 yeah. That I was, sometimes go do you remember the video? I think that's at the Gadani shipyard, is it not? I'm not sure. Yeah. No, that, that video and that song. I mean, the bass line in that is, oh, it's so epic. You know, people, by the way, you know, there's there's a long tradition, of course, of criticizing the first album because so many of the songs, their their core uh, was either similar to or directly inspired by, you know, some one or the other major Western hit. But to me, I, I never felt that to be like a... I, I can't remember whether it was NFP or it was somebody else, but I remember there was a fair bit of criticism back in the day on... Do you, do you remember what I'm talking about? There was like, somebody pointed out like, I think it was four of the songs on the first album. Who's, uh... So I actually don't remember. The one I do remember is that it's very interesting is that <laughs> our super hit, Dil Dil Pakistan, has a small segue lifted from Airwolf, right? right. You know, whatever. It goes like that at one point. And it's, it just seems a bit anachronist to me each time I hear it because I just think it's such a great composition on its own that it didn't really need that and um but but I'm but yeah, you I know mean, I'm, I'm not as critical of that like I, I think w just try and locate where these guys were right like they were wearing like stonewashed jeans and like you know ill-fitting yeah. t-shirts like in essentially in Ziaz Pakistan you and I Fussy, we cannot imagine like trying to do what they did back then. I'm not. I, I don't mean to. I don't mean to over overstate any any degree of heroicness to them. They had no idea that they would end up becoming the voice of, I guess, multiple generations of Pakistanis, but or at least informing that voice, if not becoming the voice. Um, so, so one doesn't want to overdo it with the, with the ode to to their sound or anything. But I think I don't think it's such a like, I don't think it's such an ultimate crime for them to have found inspiration well, I mean, in stuff that they heard. There, there's one case, definitely. I don't know if you've heard that. It's Ali Heather and it's his song, uh, Duddu Dira, which I absolutely love. Mm -hmm. And it's a note for note, uh, you know, copy of Some Guys Have All the Luck by Rod Stewart. 
and you put both songs next to one another, and then you realize that Dududira is the song that some guys could have been if it had been, you know, tinkered around with more. And I, and I find that Dududira is a, a much superior rendition. So I know what you're saying, and I sort of agree with that. I think one of the funniest things is that I think you can get away with this and it is accepted as part of the course if you acknowledge because it's one of the big things you acknowledge your influences you know you know like in guitar playing you have a lot of standardized licks things like that things that you can attribute to certain people and the problem becomes is that when you don't attribute it when you su su you suggest that there was a simultaneous or just a gap in a year between, you know, a spontaneous combustion of an idea. And then that's why these songs sound alike. And I remember that I think that uh, uh, Sajad Ali once tried to do that with Babia, which again, you know, it's just a great, uh, you know, a piece of music going from Khalid, you know, uh, all the way here. And, you know, it's done well. And... So I, I, I just think, I, I also don't think it's a massive problem as long as it's acknowledged. Yeah. No, it's funny you mentioned <laughs> Baby. Uh, uh, that, was yeah. a, that was a great one. Uh, you it's know, a great song. It really is. Uh, coming back to Junaid, because, I mean, in a sense, a lot of this, and I think retrospectively, especially because it just happened, there'll be, there'll be a tendency to overreach at least I speak for myself, you know, I'm, when I'm overwhelmed with emotion, I, I tend to be quite forgiving of myself in attributing, you know, uh, better things to the, to the freshly departed than, than maybe is their, is their necessary due. But for me, what was amazing was that he was transcendent as a voice over essentially possibly three, but maybe even four different incarnations, right? Like the first one is like the original, like stonewashed genes, vital signs. And then the second is kind of the corporatized vital signs. The third is him on his own, uh, plus his struggle, uh, the, the conflict years, right? And then finally is kind of his Jalvaijana sort of, uh, like solidly Jalvaijana mode, where, where he became very comfortable with uh you know with the overtness of his of his faith and and the way that he expressed it and that's like four essentially obviously all related to each other but essentially standalone independent eras or phases in his in his life in which he it's the same guy it's the same voice but he's doing different things with it across across these eras and uh you know he just hit like he had a gold or platinum record in every in every permutation he was really i, I think a lot of us are going to have trouble getting over the whole ideological thing uh which which is fine because you know the people are one way or the other people people will have their own views on that and and of course i have mine and you'll have yours but if you just step away from that, it, he was a tran, trans, transcendent kind of a talent. What was it? So, I mean, I think thirty I, years. I, 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 I agree. I mean, I think I think one of the things about Janae especially was that. Um, so some of his evolution, I wasn't surprised at because 
he like you know he he was unlike a lot of pop stars he was humble he was in some ways even diffident he wasn't the most confident of people and it didn't come across like that he wasn't a sort of showman somebody who was you know channeling freddie mercury or he had that sort of star quality and and then you know for him to think and sort of evolve and choose something else was something that i didn't really see as necessarily that odd or different i mean for me uh visually it was probably more because you know you remember him as one but in terms of where he chose to go i i found that as really interesting and 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 as far as his voice goes that i agree with i mean i think um he didn't have a sort of a a powerhouse voice you know the kind that was uh you know belting out screams and still was in tune his was you know a a mellow and a very beautiful singular voice and i think it and then you know when he was doing you know knots and things like that and where it was a, a cappella i mean it it shone out as much as it did even before and i think i agree with that i i think the sort of span he had and none of it was actually one either out of character and two you know it was all within the bound of his sort of god-given talent which was you know relatively big I, one thing i noticed was that i i saw him uh, a couple of years ago where you know somebody was trying to do a duet with him on uh, i think it was dil dil pakistan and the other person also had a good voice and the sort of the uniqueness of his voice the sort of timbre the tone was such that i found that when it was trying to be you know sort of harmonized with him in the duet it just sounded off that could be the weakness of the other singer uh, uh, singer but i i really think it had to do a lot with sort of you know that aspect of him which was um and 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 it's interesting i mean people who've grown along him have been similar if you hear the debut album of janoon um ali azmat doesn't have that sort of vocal range in the way that he does now which is like yeah, utterly phenomenal sure sure um, it is technically right but tell me this i mean is there anything more raw and more beautiful in our sort of pop/rock history than ali azmat the the unvarnished ali azmat in that first uh, in that first album so again so i i i liked the first album quite a bit but uh, for me it was again talash that really did it that album was the one that's where i think like ali azmat was in his sort of uh you know he had unleashed himself and again like with ali azmat it's great it's interesting like you know he's basically in some ways the perfect foil frontman to junaid uh he is freddie mercury and more he is uh again you know uh whereas you know i think janeth was very caring of what other people thought or where his place was in some respects ali is just the total animal you know he just just drives his way through everything and i and and i've often thought that you know it was just so amazing that we had this perfect contrast of what were two very seminal figures in the evolution of music in Pakistan. You know what's funny, uh, Fasi, I I really I really struggled uh the night of the uh the accident. I, I think a lot of us did. 
I wonder if we realized how deeply connected this man was to us. And in a sense, now we're talking about Ali and, you know, I mean, Ali's the kook that has like these weird conspiracy, like he's the kind of rock and roll Zed Hamid, right? He's got all these weird conspiracy theories, <laughs> right? You have Salman who's, you know, obviously has a very strong political uh, leaning. And, you know, I've gotten into, like I basically stopped following him like on Twitter, you know, yeah. even though I have to say the first time I met him and, you know, got to talking to him, I I was pinching myself, right? Because I couldn't believe I was talking to Salman Ahmed. And then there's this moment where these people go from being sort of the voice or the sound that you grew up with, that not just you grew up with, the, like the kind of soundtrack of your journey of, of adolescence, right? Like it's just a, it's such a phenomenal thing. And again, it's in a sense... In human history, this is we're only probably like the second or third generation that that has this, where we can talk about a sound or you know, uh, uh, and have this kind of deep, intense relationship. But I guess you know when somebody I was in the office when somebody came up and said, "There's been a plane accident and Junaid Jamshed was on the plane," and then we started watching it and everything, and I just kind of tracked my reaction and my emotions and. I tried to really be very, very uh, reserved in how I expressed them publicly, you know, like through Twitter and everything. But I also felt like it was a moment that had to be shared with, with a lot of people uh, because, yeah. yeah, I think you and I both did that, you know, and we didn't talk to each other because I think we were talking through our tweets. Like, I, like yeah. I, you know, I don't think I could have handled talk. And when I did, I, I talked to my wife and my uh, other members of my family that night I, and I, it was not, it didn't go well. Like, I, I really, really struggled to contain myself. And I guess, I guess what I'm saying is to me, at least it's the first time I realized how deeply like how profoundly uh, connected the, these guys, these people, these figures are to us and our generation. And, you know, for all the political sort of tomfoolery or whatever, and I'm sure my views must seem foolish to him, but, you know, I absolutely adore like Salman Ahmed and and Junaid Jamshed and Ruhel Ayat and Shahzad Hassan and Rizwan and uh, even even like um, like Fakhri Alam, uh, you know, to like certainly, yeah. you know, Sajad Ali, uh, uh, the Awaz guys, Fakhir and and uh, and Harun or Aaron, you know, I mean, yeah. every everything these guys did is so it's so huge in terms of you know where we come from and and in a sense, defining who we are. And I guess Junaid's departure really, it, it struck home for me how, how I feel about this, these people and, and, and what, they, what they meant for me. And, and then I guess looking across like the expanse of my friends and, and people that I interact with and my colleagues. And it's everybody like that I talk to says the same thing, right? It's like, oh yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And then I thought, wow, like, so, I mean, I think two things. I think one is that it's also interesting in a way that it was... So, when we grew up and, you know, maybe a generation after is that we all were growing up built on a bedrock of common experiences. That is, you had one or two TV channels, the music that was released, everyone had some idea of it. Now, when I look at the new music that's coming out, and then I realize that there's huge swaths of stuff that, you know, I have no idea about 
people talk about. And there's a severe fragmentation because of how the music industry has sort of, you know, uh, gone through significant troubles. So for us, you know, all these people mean a lot. Now, when I look at then, you know, if I, I sort of looked at, you know, sort of the London drum and bass scene or whatever, where there's a lot of Pakistanis, we had some idea of who's who. And now it's far less. Uh, so I, I, I imagine that, you know, we were united through a strand of much more in terms of common experiences, whether it was watching film, TV or, um, you know, music. And that has changed to a degree at least now, because just the prolifer uh, proliferation of choice, uh, you know, so many subgenres, so many subsections. And I, I also think that in a way, you know, um, you know, when it was announced, I think what I found really interesting was that, you know, uh, Junaid meant different things to men, different people, and they were all mourning him for different parts of his life. And, uh, I mean, like that tweet you had, it was telling in the way of, uh, you know, how we're all divided in our own ways and how, um, you know, he reflected that as a commonality. I think also it's interesting that, you know, for people who some of the things that you mentioned, let's say if you don't agree with Salman now, I think Salman, in my opinion, is like one of the most gifted songwriters. I mean, in sort of my worldwide set of people I take, one of the best riff writers, uh, you know, you can compare him to literally anyone. Dude, and he's he our, had, he's our, he's our Beck and our Jimmy Page, dude. Like, yeah, yeah. He, like no he's, less, right? He's unbelievable. Like every, every, he defined almost every, like, so if you take every kid that picked up a guitar in this country, right? Yeah. From like 1990 onwards. You wanted to we all Salman. learned. We all learned how to play like Salman. We wanted to look like Salman. We wanted to play like Salman. Yeah. It was. It was. I mean, he is just. And I think it's really sad. I mean, for me, uh, you know, it's really sad that uh, that we lose sight of this. You know, uh, like I don't so, blame him for it. I, I mean, in a sense, I feel kind of. Yeah, like I feel bad. I don't want to get into like a political argument with this guy, whatever his politics are. But what an amazing, yeah. what an amazing addition to our culture. What, what a what a definition of our culture. And, and wow, yeah, absolutely. So, so, yeah, yeah. So that's what I'm sort of getting to. So I, I read this post by on Facebook by Asif Said Memon, and it was interesting. He was like, "Yeah, don't mourn Junaid's death because you know we don't agree with what he said and his misogyny." But he said then, by the same token, you better not watch anything by Brando. You better not watch uh, anything by Polanski, you know. And the interesting thing here is I think there's a lot to be said is how do you divorce, um, say, the politics, the opinions from the person's art. And it's, it's a difficult question because sometimes in some cases it can be truly odious. But um, I think on a standalone, I think, you know, whether you agree, disagree of the politics, like, you know, when Ali Azmat was really into uh, Zed collabor collaboration mode, I mean, it was a problem. But I, I don't think that it took anything away from his utter mastery of, I mean, I think the interesting thing about Ali Azmat is the question we used to have is Janoon as an entity, is this just driven by the creative brilliance of Salman or does 
is Ali anything more than a voice and a stage presence? And I think he has proven beyond a doubt in his solo endeavors because I think he's flourished. He's kept that magic alive and it shows that, you know, uh, for whatever the politics X, Y, Z may be, he's an absolutely integral uh, artist to the canon of output from Pakistan. And uh, so, I I mean, I found, like, so like you said, like I found in Junaid Jamshed's death, that was one of the more interesting things. Although, I mean, I do have, I think it's slightly a cultural preference that I've taken on board and and I can see people not agreeing with it. And I don't see it as, I, mean, I don't see that one or the other can necessarily be argued as right. But I think in death, uh, most people, not all, but most people deserve a bit of a pass because, um, you know, it's a tragedy and people aren't defined just by, let's say, I mean, so I was against uh, some of the things that Junaid said, some of which I thought were atrocious, some, uh, but by and large, I mean, even in, uh, you know, his religious journey, most of what he did, he was trying to do the right thing. He believed in it. He had so much contribution to charity, things like that. And so you can still say, yes, this part of it was terrible. I disagree vehemently. Um, this part, I still think, you know, it doesn't overshadow everything. You can even look at it in silos. And thirdly, I think that the artistic integrity of what he had done, that, that remains. No, I agree. Uh, did you know uh, Junaid personally? So this is interesting. I mean, I used to do that TV program where we interviewed quite a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And I think we went pretty much through most people. I mean, I've, I've, uh, I feel lucky enough to have met Rohail, Shahi. Um, then uh, I think one of the people that we also have to keep in mind uh, for, uh, you know, because the debut album did have a lot to do with uh, Hussein as well. Um, he did brilliant stuff. So I got a chance to meet all of them, except I've never had the chance to meet um, Junaid. Yeah. So, um, you know, we, we didn't know each other. Uh, just, just so people are clear, Nusrat Hussain, by the way, also a great, great songwriter. Yeah. And I think his rendition of Khwab, I think, again, like in terms of defining stuff, uh, yeah, people forget that it was actually Nusrat Hussain Khwab and not uh, not. And some of else. his recent solo work is also brilliant. I, I haven't heard his uh, his recent work, um, but I guess I will now. Now that you've mentioned it, um, yeah, it was. Uh, I, I think it was interesting. Um, I didn't I didn't know him uh, very well, but this controversial stuff got us talking uh, because I. Uh, uh, I was I was very upset with uh, two things that he did, uh, you know. And in his death, I think we'd all like it if if our you know if our less than ideal moments were forgotten after we died. So I th I also wonder how useful it is to talk about. The, I guess the thing that I want to say is actually a really nice thing. So whatever disagreements I had, I was lucky enough to be able to express them. To him directly, uh, not just talk about them publicly or privately, but actually actually confront him directly with uh, with those issues. And 
you know, his reaction and his response was the reaction and response of somebody who, exactly as you said, was cognizant of being on a journey, was humble enough to to be open to the possibility of making a mistake. And again, for the guy with the stature that he had, with the stardom that he had, with the wealth that he had, uh, it's not always an easy thing to do. Uh, so I think it was actually, it was remarkable. Um, and uh, yeah, he, I think he had a profound effect on the people that he, that he spent time with. I was watching Vaseem Badami do a show because Vaseem used to do the, uh, the Ramzan show with him. Yeah. And, and he was just absolutely devastated. Like, I think Vaseem's going to be in a, uh, I think, a long term state of mourning. Uh, poor guy. He was completely. But the fact that he did a show that night was just, I thought, you know, I, I salute that kind of courage. Um, I think people forget that show business is. Uh, is a business, but it involves real people. Um, and uh, I guess, you know, just looking at Janae and the family that he, that he leaves behind and the kind of... Uh, I mean, his family obviously isn't doing the kind of analysis that we are, right? You know, they, they don't have that luxury. Uh, they, and they don't have to. I, I mean, it's no, a father, it's a husband. Of course, of yeah. course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... Um, but I, I mean, just because, you know, I don't know if you were into any of the Nasheed or, or any of the stuff that he did later, but, uh, you know, I mentioned it earlier, but for me, Jalvai Jana was, uh, his, his, uh, his performance uh, or his rendition of that is, uh, uh, for me, uh, it's, it's elemental. It, it really is one of the finest uh, sort of knots that, uh, that I often listen to and, and, you know, I find comfort and, and solace in it. And I think millions and millions of people uh, feel the same way. And so just for me, I, as, a, as, a fellow, as a fellow traveler and, you know, as a fellow Muslim, uh, I, 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 you know, I have all kinds of thanks for, for all, the, all the music, which, you know, which I don't disown in any way. I, I own all of it. But I also feel like there are so, so many millions of Muslims who found a channel for the expression of love for the Prophet Rasulullah uh, through his voice. And I think that that's just so beautiful. Like, forget the preaching and, and all of that. Just the fact that people are able to revel in their love for, for their God and, and for their Prophet through this man's voice is, is again, it's an incredible, incredible thing. Uh, may Allah reward him for it and, uh, and, and give comfort to his family. So I, I, I mean, I hadn't followed it that closely, but some of the ones I'd heard, I also thought they were extremely beautiful. And I think that, um, you know, like you say, I think one of the interesting things that I saw is that partly also just being more aware of the generation gap is online. I was just following a lot of people. And, you know, I just thought it was impossible almost, but a lot of people were seemed to be, quite unaware of his pop background, much younger. And, uh, you know, I just found that as really uh, interesting in some ways, because uh, the other thing that I think one of the key things is going back is, I mean, at least on some of the sort of misogynistic problems that, you know, occurred, I know it, it came to a head with one of them, but I think it was a relatively 
longer term thing where he expressed it in multiple ways and multiple times. But um, again, you know, uh, one of the things that I found out only in his death is at the same time that, uh, you know, while we were criticizing him for this, there was, um, you know, his a number of maternity hospitals that had come into place because of, you know, sort of the uh, support to charities he gave. And that was also a relatively big part of his life. And I think the other thing is that what I was sort of curious about, and this is going to be interesting, is that, you know, when the whole blasphemy thing came about uh, against him, which was like, uh, it was harrowing. I mean, even seeing him uh, a year later at the airport being attacked uh, on when he was on TV, he'd get live calls where, you know, they'd accuse him of the same. And, you know, I was always wondering, you know, what sort of effect that had on him. Um, never really got a chance to uh, understand that. But I always thought that was, you know, deeply saddening because sort of the remit of it has expanded so much that, you know, even when he did something relatively, you know, ill-advised, um, you know, it became this thing which actually threatened his life. And I remember I was speaking to uh, Nadim in those days, uh, Nadim Paracha, and, you know, the thing that came up is that we discussed is like, you know, uh, even though we had issues with what he had done uh, or the way he had phrased it, our point was don't criticize him right now. Right now, you've got somebody who's down, everyone's laying into him and the problem is that it's put a threat to his life you know you'll just become a vehicle to get the man unfortunately uh killed or something like that and um so yeah so i mean i don't know now in sort of uh looking at him and looking at the spectrum of things that sort of happen it doesn't excuse uh some of the things but it was not as um, egregious say some other things and he whatever aspect of his life one chooses to relate with I think he did a lot of good in both yeah look I I mean again I was I was fortunate I discussed the the case and you know how he felt about it uh, and what his mindset was uh, both when he was uh abroad and then when he was back here as well uh, as 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 i said i also had the chance to talk to him about you know the overarching um manner in which he talked about the role of you know the the public and private role of women in in a in a society um in which you know the majority are muslims who who are dedicated to uh you know being muslim um, and as I said, I, I did, I got the sense of a man who was on a sincere journey, who, who was conscious that he was on a journey and who was humble enough or bold enough or brave enough to actually be cognizant that he's capable of getting it wrong. Uh, I think one of the things we associate with, um, people that have extreme views or people that we deem to have extreme views is, is rigidity and uh, the inability to introspect. I, I think even people who haven't talked to him would get, 
you know, have said over the last few days, I've noticed, you know, even, even critics have been, uh, just the way in which, you know, he apologized for stuff and the fact that he, I mean, even the fact that actually he reached out to me was, was in a sense was, you know, you said something earlier that I thought was interesting, you know, he cared about what people thought about him. And I think that's an incredibly important quality for, for, for a Muslim, uh, to have. I, I say that only because, you know, I'm just, you know, it's, the 12th, I mean, we're just wrapping up the, the 12th of Rabi Lawal. And there is a man who's just died and he, you know, his last role in life was as a, as a, as a preacher and as an evangelist. And, uh, yeah, I, I just think that he, um, he embodied a lot of, uh, a lot of good. Uh, I think it's important that we call out people and, and I did and, and I, and I will again, but also important to recognize that people that get called out when they have the courage and the decency to to own their mistakes uh, and not necessarily to apologize for them in the way that we'd like them to or to repent and you know find a different gear in the way that we'd like them to but at least to acknowledge that it's possible that they they're getting it wrong it's possible that what others have to say about that issue is important I think that humility is uh, is incredibly important. I think it matters. If, if somebody cares what people think, I, I think that's important. I, I think it's even more important in today's day and age where, you know, where what people think is easily accessible. Uh, and this goes back in many ways to the conversation you and I and Zadad had the other day. Yeah. You know, I... Uh... Just uh, once I remember seeing a, you know, one of those prank TV shows and his sort of outlet, the prank was that they had closed it down for some kind of violation and the prankster, the TV prankster was dressed up as an official of some sort. And, you know, he was arguing with the guy that, you know, why are you shutting down my outlet? And But what I found interesting, I thought, I you know, I watched it uh, most of the way through and it's curious that, you know, at no point did he invoke, you know who I am, uh, you know, because that I don't think was part of his DNA, which I think most people would reach to if they had to find out in some things, in, in, especially in the case where they're, say, not at fault or there's nothing. In, and and it was just like all these little bits of him, They, it's sad that sometimes these things take meaning only in death when you're, uh, you know, the whole idea is to give a chance to appreciate the living. But, you know, uh, I think that was Junaid in some respects. And uh, I think you'll be remembered for a long time. I, I think the fact that uh, we're kind of really, and I think this is interesting about how, he's been received is that we're very, very orthodox and uh, very uh, sort of uh, protective of what we see as our sort of national traits or national treasures. And the anthem is one of them. And the fact that Dildil Pakistan can be a stand-in for the anthem is just amazing to me, that it is, you know, the equivalent of what we've put down in stone in some ways. But you can, you know, if at an event or elsewhere, you play that, it's seen as, you know, paying your respects. 
in the same way you would do to the anthem. And that's like a really extraordinary thing that I think the vital signs achieved. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I guess it goes back to the fact that it wasn't just, uh, you know, if, if, if the little Pakistan was the start of it, and for me, the other bookend is, is Jalbai Jana, then in the middle is, uh, you know, that Air Force song. Yeah. I, I was just, as a kid, I was always fascinated by planes. Uh, like, again, nothing unique about that. But just that Air Force song, I think, just connected with so many young people uh, of that era uh, in, such a, in such a deep and intense way. Um, did you hear Shazad Roy's uh, rendition of Yad Karna? No, I've just saved it because Yad Karna is actually one of my favorite songs. So I, I think that I think that I am going to I, I think we should close actually with that and I think I want you to hear it on on the podcast for the first time. So I'm gonna play it for you. Um, perfect. And and we'll close out with that. Uh Fussy, it is I just if it's possible, Shazad has done you know when you do so much justice to something that the thing that you're doing justice to becomes like the stepney to to the yeah. to the tribute. I mean, it's just so like incredibly beautiful the way he's done it, um, and it's a, it's a short one. Is it's two minutes and thirty seven seconds. It's just beautiful. I don't know how well the sound will be captured. Our listeners have tolerated uh, an immense. Uh, sort of absence of quality in terms of recording, despite the fact that we have invested, I think about 20, 25 episodes ago, 25 episodes ago, we invested in some pretty heavy duty equipment, uh, yeah. but don't have the discipline to, uh, to un, you know, to unfurl all the wires every time and, and make it, make it happen. So, um, but, you know, if it's possible, I, I'm back to feeling the way I did on the night of PK-661. I think one thing that begs uh, repetition over and over again is that this was just one life, and there were 42 or 43 other incredibly important lives on that plane. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I think, importantly, especially, again, for me, the, DCO, the former DCO of Peshawar, who was the DCO of Chitral, he had his baby daughter and his wife with him on the plane, and by every account that I've that I've heard, he and and again I have some knowledge of this because we interacted with the DCO uh, when he was in Peshawar uh, for for the Alifalan campaign that I work on full time. Uh, that guy was he was invested in the country and in outcomes because the kind of interest that he took in education. Uh, I I assure you is not ordinary. Um, his name was Osama Barayic, uh, you know, and he actually happens to be uh, related to a number of other very well known and and uh, and great sort of servants of the state, uh, other civil servants. Um, there was also. Uh, I think one Chinese engineer. Uh, there was a couple of. Uh, Maybe I think there was a German and a Norwegian. There were a number of people who were locals of Chitral that were part of the story of Chitral's development, a story that has taken too long and sadly I think will take even longer. Uh, but, you know, a story that is 
that is out there and that you know hopefully uh, over over the next few years will speed up such a I don't think I want to talk too much about BIA. We've done episodes on BIA before. I think that yeah. air accidents happen everywhere. Uh, but I think that maybe we signed too many blank checks uh, of understanding for our state-owned uh, enterprises. Yeah, I, I think in particular with organizations like BIA and others is that the gestation period for an investigation to come to an end takes advantage of our short-term memory. So, um, you know, so what's natural to give time for ends up being something that never gets concluded simply because we move on. And I guess uh, on that note of moving on, uh, Fussy, uh, you know, I just again wanted to say uh, there's a lot of people that feel differently but I, f I felt, and you know, I could be wrong, but I also feel like sometimes we find what we seek in, in the universe. And I, I like to think that I like to seek um, goodness and, you know, decency. And most of the time, you know, I've complained, even on the podcast, we've, we've had conversations about trolls and whatnot. But overwhelmingly, people are decent and good, even, even angry people. Uh, they're angry for the right reasons. They're angry because our country isn't what it's supposed to be, uh, because we aren't what we're supposed to be, and, and they want things to be better. Uh, the night that Junaid Jamshed passed away, along with so many other people, I felt like most people were incredibly decent. There was a lot of people that felt very strongly about um, his life as a musician. There was a lot of people that feel very strongly about his life as a, as a preacher and a teacher and, and, a, and an evangelist. And there's a lot of people that, uh, you know, um, found one abhorrent or the other abhorrent or whatever. But I, I thought people were unbelievably decent and, and incredibly sort of gracious. And there was a lot of dignity to the way that we dealt with it. I got a, a bit of flack on that because I, I think I tweeted something to the effect and there was a number of sort of responses that said, no, no, but, you know, people are preaching this and preaching that. And I said, you know what, seek, seek. Seek something else and, and, and you'll find it. And so I would reinforce that I, I thought that the way that we all have dealt with this was nice for a change. And, and I think that we should continue to try and find in each other the points and places of agreement and, and convergence rather than always seeking difference and, and argument. Um, yeah, I agree. So on that note, um, uh, you know, with a prayer for uh, for his maghfirat and the maghfirat of everyone on that plane and for the well-being and the happiness and the patience uh, for all the families that, that were that were affected by that tragedy uh, this is khudafiz uh, from me okay, goodbye and see you next time
याद करना याद करना और जी लेना तुम मेरे नाम को कभी अपने नाम से बिछड़ने ना देना मेरे कदमों की छा घर के दरवाजे से Really beautiful. Yeah, I told you. He did, did a really good job of that. Yeah. Anyway, we're gonna we're still recording, so we're gonna sign off once again. Uh, prayers and best wishes and duas for for everyone. And uh, talk to everyone soon, inshallah. All right, inshallah.